Hi, I'm Max Porterfield, President and CEO of Calinex Mines. We're a junior exploration company based in Canada with a keen focus in northern Manitoba in the Flin Flon Greenstone Belt, where we have two emerging discoveries, both the Rainbow and Alchemist discovery that are emerging. One was made in 2020, and then one more recently was announced just a couple weeks ago here in 2022. They have an immediate potential impact on the community of Flin Flon, which has a 100-year production history that uh, we're all very passionate about continuing. Well, yeah, and I've said the triple seven mine has closed down now. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, it closed down in May of this year. Right. So, what you're doing is quite important to the to the district. Um, I want to I want to catch up with you. So, we 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 had a sort of technical session. Um, you, you came on the platform and had a little technical session um, with one of our geos. Uh, really good session. He came he came off quite excited about what you were doing. But he would have been even more excited if you'd uh, given them news, which uh, has happened since then, has uh, made a discovery, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. We had um, been leading into that. We, we had, I think, probably six holes into the well, what is now the Alchemist area uh, that were pending assays. So the results of those assays uh, were very exciting. Uh, we're on to a new discovery, a new uh, de- deposit. And where it sits is you know, very, very exciting because these, these deposits sit along growth faults and they occur in clusters. And when you look into the town of Flin Flon, you've got a, you know, a growth fault there uh, that sits uh, north-south facing. Uh, but within that growth fault corridor, you have three main deposits. You have the, the original Flin Flon ore body that sits within 400 meters of the, the base of the growth fault known as Mill Rock Hill. And then as you get more distal or further away, you have the Callanan 777. So collectively, within the first two kilometers of the growth faults in Flin Flon, you um, you have 100 million tons of high grade. So at Pine Bay, where we've been focused for you know uh, since 2014, and previous explorers explored the area based upon the the, the pedigree, of the geology, no one had actually looked within the first two kilometers of the growth fault at Pine Bay. And really, you have the rainbow, which sits about 1.7 kilometers away from the base of the growth fault at Pine Bay. We call it Mill Rock Mountain. And then now, Alchemist has emerged right at the base, in tens of meters from the base of the growth fault. So aside from being onto a brand new discovery, what that really even opens up even more is to host additional discoveries, potentially between Alchemist and Rainbow. And so we're keenly focused on expanding the discoveries that we do have, and then within that first two kilometers of the growth fault. Because after you move outside that first two kilometers of the growth fault at Pine Bay, you have a stacking of six other deposits, and they get smaller the further away you get from the base of the growth fault. So. The fact that we're going proximal leads to potential size and uh, many more to be found besides the two that we've already found in Alchemist and Rainbow. So um, again, my mentor always said he made discoveries in even years. I kind of shook my head and said, what? Uh, We made the Rainbow discovery in 2020, really the height of the pandemic. And now to be making um, the new discoveries in 2022, uh, I really like to have twin boys this year. I like to say uh, in terms of Alchemist, more of a boy name, Odin's more of a boy name and Rainbow is a little bit more feminine. So. a very very exciting year ahead of us. It sounds like, and just tell me. Um, I'm interested in how you're trying understanding what you've got there. You talk, you talk about the, the, the growth fault, but in terms of those those lenses, sometimes overlapping, and and I say you know getting getting smaller the further away they get. Is are you starting to understand what the indicators are to allow you to better target your drilling going forward in terms of finding these new lenses? Well, certainly, I mean, all the support is there. So in terms of the discovery of Alchemist, the discovery of Alchemist is a little bit different uh, than the discovery of Rainbow, where we really kind of made our name for ourselves as implementing uh, IP 
uh, chargeable ISO shells and vectoring at Pine Bay, which is not a tool that was used in the Flintflon Greenstone belt. With Alchemist, it was very much theory-driven. And, and again, you had to test your theory with the, the, the drill bit and different surveys. Uh, in terms of the discovery of alcohol, we were drilling based upon a geologic theory that deposits should sit at the base of the growth fault. And now we're expanding that theory, utilizing all the different tools. So in terms of the, the tools are very supportive, is obviously geology is guiding us. And then when we're not relying on borehole electromagnetics or some kind of geophysical tool, we're heavily relying on geochem. And the geology and the geochem data are very, very um, similar to the geology and the geochem that you see at Rainbow. Of course, you get high-grade mineralization at depth on Alchemist as well. But these patterns are picking up within these systems, and each one of these can host a large VMS deposit as we get into them. right? So again, the deep discoveries or the big discoveries in the Flynn camp go at depth and continue at depth, and that's where you build tonnage. And what we're looking to do is find you know, multiple new discoveries along that growth fault corridor and build tonnage on multiple systems at once, which is what we're seeing with Rainbow being the first of which. And then as we were working on Rainbow, you could see us behind the scenes quietly starting to move one of the rigs off to the west in Q4 of last year, which led us up to announcing the new target area, the theory and the thesis for uh, what we're believed to be there and why. And then now we've raised the capital and we're, we've drilled that and hit Rainbow. I mean, an alchemist came from that. Right, and, and yes, you're referring to the capital you raised um, back back in March. Was it just over right. four million bucks, right? Um, so, you, put, put to, exactly. Um, you, super high grades. You keep announcing these really, really high grades um, over you know de decent, decent widths and thicknesses. Quite frankly, these lenses uh, as well. But in terms of allowing people like me um, to paint a picture of you know the potential scale of this thing, so, you know, how many millions of tons could this become? You're going to kind of need to kind of piece these uh, components together, but you're doing it in your own time. You're, I guess, plowing your own furrow, and you are doing it your way. I, 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 I would, uh, I would ha hazard uh, to say. So, what is your view about how you you do kind of manage your money? As an as a, as a um, custodian of the capital, how you allocate your capital, how you how quickly you drill, where you drill, to be able to kind of get to a point in time, which you've got to you know guide us on. Say, you know what, I can now show you, I can now demonstrate this thing has the scale, not just the grade, but the scale, because that's the important component here, eventually for you. Well, you've got to do that in steps. Um, if you look at the history. Uh, in Flinflon, most of the mines started around three, four million tons. And so that was the first things first, is we want to drill out, you know, back of the envelope to get to kind of instantly that size, uh, particularly with Rainbow. And so when we went to go raise capital this year, we raised enough capital to fund a 20,000 meter drilling campaign. 20,000 meters uh, is obviously a substantial campaign. 10,000 meters of that was allocated and earmarked for Rainbow. And that's just continuous you know, resource growth on a per, per capita basis is how you're going to drive your, your share price performance. And we know that we need to march towards a maiden resource on Rainbow to show the world what Rainbow is within the, the first 800 meters of surface and, again, open at depth. And then we budgeted the last or final 10,000 meters. Concurrently, we're drilling both at the same time. But the 10,000 meters earmarked was for exploration. And so that was really focused on making new discoveries to kickstart a brand new Rainbow, which is where Alchemist is. Now, as we move forward, I, again, I like to say it's called the 90-10 rule. You know, we'll spend 90% uh, of the capital moving forward 
in terms of driving towards resource growth on the discoveries that we have, and then always earmark you know 10 to 20 percent of the budget on testing targets because you've got to test the targets that you delineate and create to make new discoveries. You know there was a lot of questions that we might have received from from uh, feedback from investors last year going, well, that seems like you're wildcatting. But it's really not wildcatting. This is how you a discovery is born. You get the data that you allowed, you, you compile that, you have a thesis, and you go out and test your thesis. Uh, it's not blindly just drilling a hole in the ground. You're doing that for a purpose, and you're trying to gain information from that. So in terms of managing and moving forward, again, I would imagine 80 to 90% of the capital that we're going to be driving forward is going to go to immediate resource growth and continue at Rainbow, Alchemist, and then potentially Odin, which is the target area that we're currently testing between Alchemist and Rainbow, but always keeping in mind in terms of what's next. If you go back and look at Kalinex in 2020, late 2020 coming into 2021, we announced Rainbow, but what we immediately did after we announced Rainbow is we started doing regional uh, geophysical tools, which then built a deeper pipeline for exploration moving forward, which we're starting to test in 2022, and you're seeing the bare, bare fruit. So again, these are long lead items to create discoveries. We don't want to waste capital. We want to put the capital where it is. Um, but, you know, you've got to put the hole in the ground and sooner rather than later. And we're pretty good at doing that. Right. OK. You're at Beaver Creek right now. Um, you've got yes. a lot of meetings lined up. You told me just before uh, yeah. we, we went on air, as it were. Um, so people are obviously interested in, in, in the story. I, I've spoken to companies who have got five meetings set up. You're 40. So um, I think people are interested in what you've got to say. But you, you, you've, got, you've got copper, you've got gold, you've got silver, you've got zinc. Um, predominantly high grade um, copper, I suspect, is what people are after. Or, 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 or is it? You can, t you can tell me. But why are people lining up to talk to you? Because again, it, it, you are a $35, $40 million company at the moment. What are you doing that is attracting them? We have huge upside. Aside from high grades, we've got the potential to have something spectacularly huge. I mean, I would never have dreamed in 100 years, as they would say, literally, it's been 100 years of exploration of Pine Bay that no one would have done any exploration in proximity to that base, that growth fault. And when you look, you know, 100 million tons of high grade potential really is what you see at Flinflon and having that type of potential in the largest felsic volcanic in a, in a system that a lot of, you know, really established geologists have always earmarked, this has got to be where the some whales sit, so to speak, um, is quite unique. And so we stand out because we're in a tier one jurisdiction. There's a lot of operational risk going around globally. Uh, we have high grades, we've got proximity infrastructure, we check back the ESG in terms of what we're looking to do for the community, hydroelectric power, and now we have numerous emerging discoveries that are not only high grade, but they're of high grade with potential for big scale and immediate impact where we can go into production much more quickly because we're located. So we're starting to check a lot of boxes that you simply, you inherently just can't check off. So we're quite excited about, you know, the long-term game plan is uh, coming together just at the right time for us. So what's the tipping point for you? You know, because I, I think, you know, um, you're really tight sh uh, share structure. You don't raise a lot of money. Um, you don't have a lot of, sh you know, uh, uh, shares out, but they, they, the ones that you, ha that you have seem to be in, in good hands. So how, how do you kind of create a tipping point? Because I think, I mean, would you argue that perhaps there, there is a more promotional way that maybe you could do a little bit more of? Or would you say that you're so comfortable to kind of focus on fundamentals? Because 
there are companies that haven't got half of what you've got, which, you know, maybe three, four times your market cap. So, so who's right? Who's right? Well, I know who's right. I know what we have in the company and I know what the valuation for the assets are. So I know that I'm right. Uh, it just takes a little bit longer when you're so early into something for other people to realize that you're right. I like into the art market because I collect a lot of artwork. And oftentimes we'll see something, you know, when I'm talking to other collectors and there'll be a piece of artwork that doesn't seem like it's priced right. And a lot of people instantly walk away because they're like, well, this doesn't make any sense. And that inherently is, I think, what we're trying to face. We're at the tipping point right now where just a couple more holes, whether it be into Alchemist moving forward or a new discovery again will add to that where it instantly goes at scale and then you're going to have that. And I think, you know, us being a tight structure might have, you could argue, hurt us in the shorter period, but longer term, having a really tight structure is going to be very, very unique. And at the end of the day, whether it's, you know, a tipping point being a, another hole into the ground, a strike that can affect supply that will send the market into a, fury, a kind of flurry that people realize, well, holy, there's something missing here and or a validation by a third party investor or entity uh, to that end can all be trigger points that can validate the story. And I think right now people are looking at it and they don't have an ability to see what we see. Uh, it's just like when I, we've had one of our first conversations, you and I together, it was actually on, we had one hole or two hole in the rainbow and he asked me, what does this mean? And I said, I believe and we believe that this is the next mine, right? And, and we had that conversation or something along those lines. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the word mine, but we saw the potential there that a lot of people couldn't see. And that's because we, we know what we're working on intimately, our team's experts in what we're on to. And so when you see something so far ahead of everybody else, the pain in life is really getting them to come along that train. And so we do that different ways, certainly from the marketing perspective, but at the end of the day, um, we've got to keep plugging at it and getting the work done that's going to drive value. And, and uh, right now, in terms of a value perspective, the company's never been any more undervalued than it is today. Um, maybe aside from two weeks ago, but we put out some material news that kind of helped help that along. Yeah, 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 it, it certainly did. You saw a, a media pop there. But so of, of the people that you're meeting, because um, you talk about validation, right? And so it's going to take someone someone big, someone meaningful with, with, with a profile um, to validate what you're doing. I, I can see this. We're having a conversation. We've had a, you know, a few good conversations. You know, our geologists like, uh, well, you know, I like what you're doing and the way that you're doing it. It's, it's, a, it's a good asset. But the, the market's not giving you credit for that because you're not a promotional company. So what type of person, company, entity do you think it's going to take to validate this to get help get you noticed, to help you know, at least shine a light on what you're doing. The funny thing was is that earlier in my career, I was considered a promotional person, <laughs> but I guess I, I've been better at finding uh, mineralization, so uh, that reputation's uh, kind of gone away. W with that being said, we need to continue doing what we're doing. I mean, at the end of the day, being approached by some really big, big majors um, is a big win. But from our standpoint, again, we want to, be in control of the reins of the racehorse that were racing the race. And so we'd look for an actual investment on the equity basis, just to kind of set expectations. It wouldn't be on the project level. We're not there yet. Uh, would be a big validation, you know, I think in many ways that they've done their homework. And I think the reason that we've kind of been focusing on trying to, you know, I call them whales in many ways, because they're, they're, they're giants in, in their own right, is that they understand on a technical basis what we're on to. And then more importantly, if they were to make an investment on the Kalinex, they would be making an investment on a Kalinix because of the potential, not for what's there, but what's to come. 
Because if you're running a 20 plus billion dollar company, you're not looking for a five, 10 million tonner, you're looking for 50, 100 million tons that's gonna move the needle for you. And how do majors do that? They go out and invest in exploration companies. We know that's been the tried and true. And I think that if we were able to pull something like that off, that'd be big. Additionally, if we were to get any kind of endorsement by the government of Manitoba, would be huge. And you know, we've been dealing with policymakers now for the past couple of years since we met with Rain uh, on Rainbow. And now that the 777 shut down, job losses are there. That's something else that we're kind of uh, always going to be working on because we're always acting on behalf of the community of Flin Flon alone, uh, aside from our shareholders and, and ourselves on this journey. Um, but again, any kind of validation from either a major and or some non-traditional group that can really set the standard that this is uh, something that's going to be uh, valuable and viable in the future, uh, potentially, uh, would be a big endorsement for the company and its shareholders. But at the end of the day, that's just an endorsement that's endorsing what's already there and what allergy can potentially come out of the ground uh, and nothing more. I mean, um, people need to understand that, right? I, uh, oftentimes, one investor does the work and then everybody else goes, who's in? assuming that someone else has done the work for them. And it's just like elementary school all over again. The smart kid in the, the classroom might be the nerdy one, but suddenly becomes the popular one when test time comes around because everybody wants to pass that test, want to know where the answers are. And the easiest way to do it is to go to someone else instead of doing the work yourself. Um, and the same thing in, in, in terms of me managing a company. You know, I brought on you know certain period people earlier on in my career to more or less help me on the journey but it wasn't until I became ingrained in every minute detail um, and did the work myself, so to speak, with our team that the success started happening. So again, we'll get there and it's just about being patient. We're also dealing with a lot of uh, headwinds, but we don't ever look at the headwinds of the fear-based society that we live in saying that we can no longer succeed in what we're looking to accomplish because of this or that. And I think that anytime you've spoken to me, no matter the market environment, no matter if there's a war going on, what copper prices might be in the next five minutes, it doesn't change our long-term objective because none of those things change our long-term objective. Because at the end of the day, if you find something of value, that you're creating something of value, the value will be rewarded. And we're just managing the cap table as we go through that process and that journey. Right, so, so you, and, and talk about managing fear or, or, or managing expectations. Um, you've got two other projects. You've got obviously New Brunswick and Newfoundland. Um, Manitoba is clearly the focus and, you know, for a company of your size with, you know, uh, you, you've got to be very efficient with where you allocate your, your capital and you're seeing a lot of success there. But have you been tempted during these sort of uh, strange uh, economic times we're in at the moment to offload, farm out, monetize in any way, shape or form the New Brunswick or Newfoundland assets? I mean, potentially, I'm, always, I'm a businessman. So at the end of the day, when you're a businessman, you're, you're looking to do deals to create value. We obviously thought there were a tremendous amount of value uh, when we acquired them at the bottom of the base metal cycle. I mean, if you look at the timing on those assets, you know, it's 2017, no one liked base metals. What often you find is that people like to uh, anchor value on terms of historically what you paid for something, not what the market prevailing value of something is. Uh, so with that being said, we will look to monetize them in some way or another if it makes sense in, in a structure that would make sense to our shareholder base and create the most amount of value for our, our shareholders. I'm a very large shareholder myself. Um, you know, our team's very large shareholders. My family's a large shareholder. Uh, the extended shareholders are like family to me. They've known me long enough at this point. Uh, so certainly, if there's some point, we will look to create value. But again, as the Kalanix brand rises, the value of those assets inherently rise as well. 
uh, with the work that we're doing in Manitoba. Uh, so again, we will look at the deal. I mean, a good example of that is we had a, some claims in northern Manitoba that we divested for a million dollars in cash. Uh, and that we felt was the right value and what was necessary and it was non-core to our business to make that transaction, completed it, or happened to move on down the road. Uh, whereas, you know, we paid pennies on the dollar for those assets in Eastern Canada, and we will look to create value much more so than uh, what we paid for them. Okay. I know it's the first day um, of the conference, so, you know, a long ways to go, and I'll be intrigued to hear from you after um, you, you, you've been through it in terms of understanding sort of the, the mood um, of people walking into the conference and, and at the end of it. But what would a successful conference look like for you? What would you want to take, be able to take away from it? Well, I mean, a successful conference is always um, by those the interactions you have with people. So again, we have some pretty key meetings with your existing shareholder base. I'd say we're probably meeting with 10 to 15% of our shareholder base, and then the rest are, are new meetings and or um, follow-up meetings to those that we're meeting with. And it's oftentimes everybody would question when you go to one conference to another, uh, you know, I, and what great example is, you know, one year is the very first year we went to VRIC. It was a really bad market in 2014. We're talking, we were a $6 million market cap company. And everyone was, why are you spending money to go to VRIC in, in Vancouver for that conference? And I said, you don't ever know who you're going to meet and it can change your life because it only takes one person to change your life. And so we went to that conference and the investor that came out was RCF and they're still a shareholder today. So again, I don't really judge conferences and what happens instantly in the conferences, but more or less the relationships that you build and what grows for them after the conference. Yeah, I think it's, it's yeah, Again, so the conferences are coming back, so it'll be interesting to sort of see, um, you know, if the investors also return um, as well. They're well. here. So, yeah. I'm very busy with my team here in the next uh, four days. Uh, so I'm just trying to plan when I'm going to go to sleep. But I know there's certainly investors. They're certainly back. And, um, you know, the market's very emotional. So it's, you know, often goes to people, how do you make calls on the market? Well, I just, you just talk to a few people. I don't need to talk to a lot of people. But when you're talking to the few people you're talking to, you know, really all from May, June, July, August, the same thing everybody's saying. And it's just like, um, it's, it's self, um, I forget the, the term, but it's all created by itself, self-fulfilling. So everybody's like, oh, the market's bad, the market's gonna get better in September. Well, if everybody says in their mind, the market's gonna get in September, well, inherently the market's gonna get in September. I mean, the market's driven by psychology. And so immediately you enter a new month, but what really just changed? Nothing changed other than the perception of people's mindset, you know, minds. You know, I went into a coffee shop the other day and I saw someone's really down and I get coffee from the girl. I said, what's wrong? And she's like, oh, I'm having a bad day. You ever have bad days? I said, everybody has bad days. Talked to her for five minutes. I said, how do you feel right now? She was, I feel great, I'm really happy. I said, what changed? Nothing changed other than your mindset, which I was able to change her mindset in a very brief period of time but that's the same thing with investors. The market's driven by psychology, and the psychology was saying that September was supposed to be a better month for no other reason than everybody told us September is supposed to be another month. Uh, so we'll see how it all goes, but I'm very excited to be back and uh, in Beaver Creek, and we'll see how the conference goes this week. Good, 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 good. And, and just there with one last question, which like we've had a few, yeah. a few handful of questions asking pretty much the same question, and um, I think I know the answer, um, which is, you know, is the for sale sign going to go up anytime soon? No. Why would you make a discovery of two uh, very high-grade discoveries at that in their infancy? It'd be like giving your babies up for adoption, and that, to me, is 
not a good idea. I, I, you'd be tearing them out of my, my hands to do that. Uh, wh- is there a time that your, your child you know, goes off, gets married, and everything like that? Yeah, but that's not the time to, to let them free. Uh, and, and again, I really liken this in many ways to the Ayotogu discovery. I know it was in Mongolia. I know it was much different grades. It is huge. Um, but that was a story that didn't catch wind. If you look at it, that stock couldn't break $3 for two and a half years. And then ultimately, tech came in and validated that discovery with a 9.9 equity standpoint and immediately went to 18 or something close to that if you look back at the stock chart. And I often liken that my experience is very like, and our experience is very like that discovery uh, at Pine Bay in more reason than one. But that's kind of been an experience. If you look at Kalinex, you know, we've hit the discoveries, we've had another discovery, and the stock just doesn't want to seem to you know, break three yet. But I do believe that we're going to get some sort of validation at some point or a tipping point. And once we do tip, uh, we're going to have a run and people are going to start really appreciating more so what's there uh, at Pine Bay and the company overall in general. And between now and then, we keep doing what we're going to do and keep telling the story with a lot of enthusiasm uh, and enjoy what we're doing. Good man. Uh, Max, uh, I expect nothing less from you. Uh, look, appreciate your time today. I know you've got a busy um, uh, three days or so. So um, good luck with that. Let us know how you get on and uh, keep up the good work. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me again.